Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Thank you. This is a real joy to be with you. Uh, this is my first winter Christmas. Uh, and a lot of things make sense. Like in Bangkok last year, it's tropical weather, you know, it's 40 degree heat. And we have 40 foot snowmen. <laughs> Not real snow, as you might imagine. And so it's great to actually see, you know, real, real winter Christmas. It's a real joy to be here with you. Um, I really felt as a, um, as a kind of a, a, a call, really, uh, this particular text, as I've been thinking about today. Uh, I don't think I have been in a room like this with so many talented, committed people before. I mean, I've been in a room with talented people. Um, the kind of the egos kind of go wild, don't they? And I've been in a room with committed people who are really doing the best with what they've got. But in here, we have both. Highly talented, creative people and highly committed people to Jesus. And it's inspiring, is it not? But this is my text for you, and I hope uh, I'm taking a bit of a risk with it as a, as a visitor here with you. But this is what I felt. It's from Matthew 25, verse 14. For as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them. The man uh, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and, uh, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master uh, sent for those slaves and came to settle the accounts with them. When one had come, who had received five talents came, bringing five more talents and saying, Master, you handed over me five talents. See, I've made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here is what is yours. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy slaves, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on return I would have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to the one with ten talents. For all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. For as for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, this is a hard text. 
This is a text that I don't feel comfortable with in so many ways. But Lord, I know it's a text from you for today. Lord, I ask that your spirit would breathe life into this for us today and that you challenge us to risk everything we have for you, that we might be the ones who receive your joy. We might be the ones that look back on our lives and hear those words, good and faithful servant, come and enter into the joy of the Master. Lord, I pray each one of us would hear that and share our lives in a way that would experience that joy. In Jesus' name, Amen. The theme for me of this text is the willingness to risk, the willingness to take whatever we have and go for it. <laughs> some people have, have five talents, some people have one. The one who didn't risk anything, dug it in the ground, played it safe, that person missed out. Missed out on fulfilling life, missed out, of course, when the master came back. And this theme of risk has been one that has just kind of echoed through me for the last particularly for the last year or so. Um, There's a sense in which when we risk ourselves, no matter the outcome, no matter the cost, those risks are worth it. I got to see this up front and personal in Klontoy a lot. Um, Some of you may remember in November 2011, Bangkok had huge floods and they lasted for months and months. uh, Over... um, uh, let me just get the numbers exactly right, so I'm not exaggerating this. Um, yeah, over 800 people died. Over a million homes were affected. For months at a time, the water just sat in, in Bangkok neighbourhoods. Some people died because of electrocution. Some people died because of drowning. Some people died, and I don't know if you can see the, the little clip here, um, is you said on the left-hand side, crocodiles. A little-known fact in Bangkok is that crocodiles uh, are farmed in Bangkok and one of the, the greatest kind of exports is the crocodile leather. And so you can imagine when the waters rose in Bangkok, these crocodiles, hundreds of thousands of them, went up and out of their pens and into people's homes and neighbourhoods. And so people died from crocodiles. They actually put bounties on their heads uh, And so it was a scary time, actually, in Bangkok. We were in, most of the flooding was happening in the north of Bangkok. We were in the southeast and waiting day by day for the waters to rise and get us. We we had uh, our uh, uh, bags, you know, with sandbags holding everything up, waiting for the waters to come. One of the guys arrived, his name is S, and he's actually the guy on the left-hand, your right-hand side, the corner, uh, there in the bottom picture. He's a terrific young guy. I got to baptise him. He was the very first person I got to baptise in Thailand. And uh, he's a brilliant young guy. Uh, we helped him get a small business together. Um, he's kind of an electrical kind of whiz, and so he would help people get, put their electricity on and all that kind of stuff. You know? and, uh, but he came in quite distraught this day at, at the community centre. He said, yes, what's the matter? Are you okay? He said, no, I, I'm... I'm in big trouble. You know, I'm getting married. It's so exciting. Has something happened? No, no, not with us. But we were deciding to move out of the slum and move into the north of Bangkok. We moved all our stuff there. We're due to get married next month. And all my tools are there. My motorbike is there. And the army and the Red Cross are not letting people into where we are. And if I can't work, I can't eat. And I said, no, well, I'm not sure what we can do. Well, Ort, one of my football coaches... Um, 
he's a mad Liverpool supporter, so he will be getting a little bit of it uh, uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, his name is Ort, and he's an uh, ex-army guy, you know. And they said, well, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. So what can we do? The army are not letting people in. So why don't we wear blue uniforms, pretend that we're a group, and go in helping, and then we'll go into Essie's place, uh, and we'll, we'll get, the, get his tools for him. And so, well, you know, it's worth a try, I guess. Um, uh, <laughs> and it was like, before we knew it, the community had rallied. And actually, hundreds of little packages with medicines and food, because lots of people were stranded in these communities. And so it was a legitimate kind of thing to go and help. So we got these, these little boats together. Ort, of course, can't swim. And so you see him there with the life jacket on and a, and a tire. <laughs> and he's leading the way, you know, scared that he's going to drown. And I said, oh, what about these crocodiles, mate? And he says, oh, no, no, don't worry about the crocodiles. They're tame. I don't think you can tame crocodiles. <laughs> you know, we're going in, we're giving out food and medicine, and we've got these blue tops on so people don't think we're looters and we'll let us keep going through. And, uh, you know, and it's getting quieter, and every kind of ripple on the ground, you're kind of jumping around the place. You know? And uh, at one point, something grabbed my leg, and I squealed like a little girl. It was Ort, just kind of playing a joke on me. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny now, but you know, at the time... <laughs> We get in and, we, and uh, eventually we get the tools and we bring them back out again and we're, we're giving them the food and medicine. At one point, some, someone we gave food and medicine to said, who are you guys? You're not the Red Cross. You're not the army. Who are you guys? And Ort said, we're from Clontoy and we're helping. We want to do something to help. And, uh, and Clontoy, the slum Clontoy. I mean, Clontoy is known as the most notorious place in Bangkok. 100,000 people live in one square kilometre. It's open sewers. It's a, it's, a, it's a troubled community. And here these guys were, risking themselves. Couldn't swim, scared of crocodiles, <laughs> but going in for the sake of other people. And something happened to those guys that day. They risked themselves, but actually they found themselves. Poverty is not just about a lack of cash. Poverty is about a lack of hope, a lack of freedom to live the kind of life God intends people to live. And that day they broke the cycle and they became new people. They met Jesus through all this experience and uh, a lot of these guys are doing really well. And, uh, and I, I just love that. I love what God can do with people who give whatever talents they have. It, it, it feels like it's giving it away, but actually you become who you're really supposed to be. Andrew and I didn't wake up one morning and think, oh, what should we do today, dear? Oh, we should move into a slum. It didn't work like that for us. There are numbers of risks along the way that we, keep, we have to keep taking, actually. No one can rest on their laurels here. If you're a creative person, don't rest on, on the best work you've done so far. Take a risk. Step out even further. Try and be even more truthful and more honest than you've ever been before. If you're a worker in Eden in a neighbourhood... You know, there'll be some people who are scary. I mean, living where we live now, we, you know, I'll tell a little bit of that story of how we moved there, but um, quite literally, two of the guys on our street were um, arrested this week. So, I don't know if you saw it in the mail, there were two guys holding the guns um, for terrorist charges and put into jail. Um, this is our first week on our street, you know, so it's a pretty hairy kind of neighbourhood. And so there are kind of folks you're not quite sure about, but I'll tell you what, Jesus loves them. And where to be with them. Uh, 
for Ange and I, it was initial call, a sense of uh, setting up a Tony Campolo meeting, say, we'll go anywhere for the cause of Christ, where Jesus took me seriously. And Ange and I met soon after we got married as 20-year-olds and initially worked with Youth for Christ, working in jails and detention centres. And then we found we needed to, how can we prevent young people getting into jails and moving into neighbourhoods? And Urban Neighbours of Hope got started that way. But then we, we, we had this sense of call, um, we thought, to the majority world. And we went to Vietnam for all kinds of reasons. We couldn't get there, couldn't get a visa. A friend of mine, I rang him up in Bangkok. He was at the Australian Embassy there. and said, where could we go, mate? Yeah. He said, come to Bangkok. There's great slums here in Bangkok. You'll love it. And, uh, and we did. We fell in love with Klong Toy and uh, eventually um, moved in. It was an amazing experience just earlier this year. Um, people say, how do you know? How, how do you know you're to give away your talents? How do you know when there's a transition to make? It's a very tough thing. Sometimes we're called to stay, aren't we, and go deep. And other times, it is actually our time to move. And I think God always calls us to something more difficult than we've done before. I think that's a sign. <laughs> Uh, and for Ange and I, I, after a sabbatical we had in Clontoy, coming a year later, I had a deep sense I was home. This is where we were supposed to be. And so for the last 12 years, we've lived and invested ourselves into that community. Uh, and it was an amazing time we had just this, earlier this year, our farewell, 17 different entities, some churches, some social enterprises, some football clubs came together and blessed us and uh, put water on us in a traditional Thai blessing and people said wonderful things. They did have a big sign that said, uh, in loving memory of the Barker family, 2002 to 2014, which was slightly disarming, really. <laughs> what kind of meeting am I coming to? Um, but, but there is a sense that we invested and God did something through us beyond what we could have imagined. Um, all these different entities have got going. But actually, it was in May last year, I was at the Proximity Conference, and uh, we were in Birmingham at Invitation of Churches of Christ, and uh, we were looking at whether we'd set an Urban Neighbours of Hope team in Birmingham. And uh, uh, I just had a deep sense, if I had another life, I think I would want to spend it in a place like this. I think I'd like to be more involved in mobilising, getting more people on the front line, and maybe um, and, uh, a month later, I went back to Bangkok, got seriously ill with typhoid and typhus, nearly died again. It was about my third kind of uh, uh, time. Either typhoid and typhus can kill you. And I got both of them at the same time. Uh, and so there was a body thing saying, are you, are you ready for this next season? And uh, with Urban Neighbours of Hope, um, we had another level of leadership that were ready to take it. And it was important that as a founder, I got out the way to allow that to happen. That's not true for every group, and certainly not true for here, but that was true for me. I'd, as a leader, I'd given grace to lead the community to this stage. And it was important that another group uh, of leaders took it to the next. And, and so we ended up in... Uh, <laughs> In following through the discussions with Andy and following through the discussions with the Church of Christ and, uh, and we've ended up in Winston Green in Birmingham and a uh, very exciting time. I'm excited about three kinds of mobilisation and, and if I can be of any help to any of you, I'd like to do it. The first is relocators, people like Ange and I willing to relocate into tough places. It is not easy if you're not from those places to do it. You have to unlearn so much actually to be able to do it. Um, I'm excited about mobilising those kinds of folk because there are so many 
neighbourhoods, all around the UK, all around the world, who desperately need Christian presence and people who can share the gospel and live the gospel in ways that make sense up close and personal. I'm excited about mobilising more people for that. I'm excited about helping people remain, particularly people who have come from tough neighbourhoods, rather than escape the ghetto, to stay. And that takes incredible kind of courage, actually. Um, Pooh, one of my neighbours, many of you would have, may have seen Pooh's story. She was literally a great cook. We helped us out at a small business that took off. It became the number one thing to do on TripAdvisor. Her cookbook, Cooking with Pooh, uh, won the oddest book title of the year at the Frankfurt Book Fair Award. And just earlier this year, cooked with Jamie Oliver on his show. If you look up FoodTube, you'll see um, Jamie wearing his, his uh, I cooked with Pooh and I liked it. Uh, <laughs> Pooh decided to stay in Clontoy rather than leave. I tell you, that risk is a bigger risk than a relocator like me. Someone willing to invest themselves, not to escape, but to stay. I want to support those kinds of folk. And lastly, I want to also support returners. The people who, for all kinds of reasons, need to leave the community to get themselves together, sometimes because of drug use, sometimes because of mental health, but they leave, they get well to return again. And John Perkins, one of my heroes of African-American, he came up with that type three-part typology. Uh, after go- leaving um, Mississippi, went to Los Angeles as a boy. His, his brother had been killed. His mother had died. He, he got a life together in Los Angeles, but then returned to Mississippi in the 1960s with all the, all the civil rights stuff going on. Um, that takes <laughs> even more risks. That takes more courage than, than all of us, I think. Um, so I'd love to support people like that, to see more people. We, look, you know, Shane Claiborne did a survey of strong followers of Jesus. He found 80% of people believe Jesus spent time with the poor. Of, of those strong followers of Jesus, only 2% did themselves. The gap has got to change. And I want to, I know this is the heartbeat of this movement that God's doing. That stat has got to change. We want more and more Christians spending their lives for the sake of the poor. It has to, if it's not good news to the poor, it is not the good news of the kingdom of God. Friends, I'm so glad to be here. I've only been here three weeks. Uh, I'm disorientated. And anything I've said, friends, that is not online, please let that fall to the ground. But if there's something God has challenged you with, to take a risk for the next year, something that is there for you, that you can say, oh, I don't know if I can do it. You can't. But God can through you. Surrender yourself to God. And it's amazing what God can do through each of us. Can we stand and pray? Can I pray for you? Lord, I thank you for each person here. That your hand is on their lives. You've given each of us talents. Some more than others. But Lord, I pray none of us would waste them. That in your hands, they can go a long, long way to changing this world for Jesus, turning it upside down. Lord, I pray each of us, Lord, would take further risks of faith this next coming year. Lord, I thank you when we look back. The risks we've taken seem big. Actually, when we look back, they don't quite seem so bad as they did at the time. Uh, But as we look to the future, Lord, give us courage. Give us faith. Give us hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we pray, Lord, for for Ash. We thank you so much for him. Thank you for the constant provocation he is to go deeper with you. And we pray, God, you'll use this man mightily in this next season. The greatest fruitfulness in his whole life. We pray he will mobilize many, many relocators.
and remainers and returners who love and live alongside the poor. Bless him, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Anne, this force of nature that he lives with. And we just pray you'll bless her, Lord, and, and strengthen her and equip her in God and use her mightily. We pray for a great connection with what we're doing and what these guys are doing, Lord. Just your way forward. Encourage him today, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ash Barker, everybody. Love it. I was so... Uh, um, hold on to your hats. So if, uh, if I have anything to do with it, which I do, as you know, we're going to hear a lot more from this guy in the next few years. Um, I, I was thrilled to know that Ash was just turning up for our prayer day. I found out on Friday, so I said, please at least share a bit with us, Ash. So he just wanted to be here and pray, and I twisted his arm to share with us, because he's amazing, isn't he? And uh, just one of those people who just provokes me constantly to be more Christ-like. So, brilliant stuff. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 